way. Hey, uh, Matthew chapter 5 says this, says you are the light of the world. I had to jump in on the whole light thing. I should have prepared. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light on a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as a church, we're called to be the light of the world. Man, that goes right along with my message for this morning. Man, we, we typically do this about four times a year where we have what we call a connect weekend where we invite some people into the mix to kind of hear they're new to the church. Um, some of those are sitting in here this morning. At least I hope they came back. Um, and uh, we talk about the vision. And the vision is this. It's pretty simple. We believe that the Bible is pretty clear about what it is that God's called us to do as a church. And I'm not talking about the institution or the organization of a church. I'm talking about the people of God. We are the church, and God's given us a calling. This is not something that I recreated or tried to be really crafty about or anything else, but it's pretty simple in what the Lord has actually given us to do. And there are three things that we believe that God's called us to do, and that's to preach the word, that's to make disciples, and to care for others. Simple and easy, right? And, and so that's what I'm going to talk about this morning, and the majority of what I'm going to spend my time on this morning is this whole idea that God has given us to be lights in the world, that we are to take the gospel, we're to preach the gospel to the people around us. You see, the, here's the thing, sometimes we get lost in church and we expect the pastor to be the only one that can actually preach. But the, the reality of it is, is that if you've given your life to Christ, you have become a minister of the gospel. And you are called because the reality of it is, and you guys know this, Leland is growing faster than it can ever grow. And, and we will never reach, we will never reach our town. We'll never reach the county if it only becomes us as staff or pastors in this community who are the ones that are preaching the gospel. Because dude, let's be honest, most people don't want to listen to us anyway. Because they don't like what we got to say. But if you're going out into the marketplace and out into the community and out into your neighborhoods and you're loving the people around you, God will afford you the opportunity. He will allow you to be light in the world. And so that's the calling this morning. So if I can be really honest, I hope that I'm getting up in your grill just a little bit. I hope that I can challenge you just a little bit this morning to say, hey, what is it that God wants me to do with his word? And what is it that he wants me to do about preaching the gospel to people? Now, I don't expect you to leave this place and go stand out on Village Road and start screaming at people. Just to be honest with you, that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. In most situations, in most scenarios, I'm not saying it hasn't worked. I'm saying it most of the time doesn't work in today's culture. And so that becomes the challenge for us this morning. And to talk about us as the body of Christ, we are not called to be spectators. We're not called to be spectators. We're not called to be consumers in the church. And I, and I said this, and I, I have started saying this on a regular basis when new people come in. You're like, Pastor Chris, you probably shouldn't say that. But I believe it's true is that when new people come into church, and I think I need to probably say it to us on a regular basis, is that we can't just come in and warm a seat and think that's all we need to do. 
right? And if you're looking for a place where you can just kind of come in and warm the seat, if you're already a follower of Jesus, listen, I, may, I realize that there are some of you that are here that maybe you haven't given your life to Christ. You're still trying to figure things out. I totally get that. But if you've given your life to Christ, you're coming in here, you're trying to grow, you're growing in your faith. If you've been a Christian for any length of period of time, then it becomes our responsibility to be involved in what God is doing. And if you're coming here just looking because you like the music, you like the preaching and those kind of things, you want to come in here, you want to come be a consumer on a Sunday morning, then this is probably not the church for you. There are plenty of good churches that you can go sit and do nothing. Wow, it got really quiet in here. But that's just the reality of it. We're not called to be spectators. We're not called to be consumers. We're not called to be a come and see church. We're called to be a go and tell. Come in. Let's grow up. And let's take what God's doing and take it back out into our community. There's a reason, there's a reason I believe why the church is growing. I don't know if you knew it, but the first Sunday of August, we had 627 people in the church. We were, yeah, we were without... That's great, but I'm not sure it's, it's being all that effective. Just because we get a bunch of people in here doesn't mean that we're necessarily making an impact. It might mean that, yes, you're inviting some people. It might mean, yes, they like the worship music. It might mean, yes, they like the preaching. But is, are we growing? Numbers, numbers don't all, are always an indicator of success and health. As a church, you can be a really large church and really suck. I heard that said not too long ago. I was listening to this talk. I'd gone to a conference. This guy was preaching, and he said, you can be a really good pastor. You can suck as a pastor and have a really big church. And, and, and that's the problem. That's become a little bit of the reality today. I'm not mad this morning, I promise. Like, I just really believe that there are times when we just need to say, hey, man, let's put into perspective what it is that God's really called us to do. We're called to be a go and tell. And here's where I believe that it starts this morning. Like, I'm probably all over the place this morning, so you guys just bear with me. I'm probably all over the place. But I felt like the place that it needed to start this morning is not only are we a light, not only are we called to be a light in the world, that we're called to take the gospel, we're called to take the message of Jesus into a community, but one of the, one of the important things for us as a church is to realize for us to be, to, to a part of being and doing that is for us to be a unified body of Christ. Okay, so I want to start there because I was led there, John chapter 17. It's going to be on the screen, and I wanted to start with that this morning. John chapter 17, this is one of the things that Jesus actually prayed for the disciples, for, the, for his church, for the believers in that moment, and he was going to be ascending to heaven eventually, and this is one of the things that he prayed. He said, I have given them your word. They have, he has given us what? His word. Not a bunch of preachers. Right? Are preachers important? Yes. Are they in the Bible? Yes. But he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them by the what? The truth. And then he goes on, what are the two words after that? Your Word. Your word. Where do we get to preach the gospel? Preach the word. We get it from the Bible. That's why it's part of our vision. 
He goes, and he goes on to say, your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For, I, for them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Listen, this is, this is really important. Jesus said, my prayer, Jesus said, okay, who said? Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their, through their message, through their message, that all of them may be, that all of them may be one. Father, just as, just as you are in me, I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may what? so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So we're called to be the light in the world. We're called to be a reflection of the fact of what God did in sending his son Jesus into the world to save the world. You are the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I, I can't stand it when I talk to people and they, 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 somebody, says, somebody says, well, what church do you go to? And they say, well, I go to his church. Or I go to your church. No, this ain't my church. This ain't my church. This is Jesus' church. He just gave me the responsibility to lead it. This is our church. And we carry the responsibility of doing the things that God's called us to. Again, those of you who are believers, this be, hopefully that what this is doing is this is causing us to maybe reflect on who we are as followers of Jesus and are we actually doing the things that Jesus actually called us to do. And so the, the one thing that I want to start out with this morning is this, the church is to be unified around the message of Jesus. The church is to be unified, say unified. The church is to be unified around the message of Jesus. Now, here's the truth. The truth is this. We'll never be on the same page politically. And if I could speak to that for just a moment, guess what? The next two years are going to be crazy. I'm just being honest with you. And we saw that four years ago or three years ago, we saw the political, the Political temperature just went through the roof, and the sad part is it impacted the church. It affected the church. COVID obviously was a part of that, and I'll be really, really honest with you. It wouldn't surprise me if in the next two to three years, there's not something else that happens just like COVID. And that's not, I'm not trying to prophesy. God didn't, God didn't say that to me, but it wouldn't shock me. If that doesn't happen over the course of the next next two to three years, so we better be prepared. We better be have our we better have our full armor on. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. We better have those things and be ready as we're moving forward. But we can't stop preaching the word. We're never going to be on the same page theologically. You're like what? There are going to be, probably there are going to be some things that you might have a difference on of what, of what theologically of what the Bible says, and that's just the reality of it. Guess what? The Baptists don't believe the same things the Methodists do. Non-denominational don't believe the same thing that the Baptists do. 
And so the reality of it becomes, and here's, here's what I want to say to you this morning, is what we have to center ourselves around is the message of Jesus and the things that matter for eternity, not these things that don't matter here on earth. Come on now, church. Here's the other thing. We'll never like the same foods. Right? Some of you don't like pizza. Some of you don't like to eat your green beans. Some of you don't like banana pudding. That's a big no-no. Heresy. That's right. You need to confess that one, bro. And so that just becomes the reality of it. So I got a couple of illustrations that I kind of want to use this morning to kind of help us navigate this as quickly as we possibly can. Ashley, come here a minute. I didn't tell her till we sat down the worship star. I said, Ash, I need you to come up here. She's like, what? Because had I told her before, she wouldn't have showed up. All right. This is my wife, Ashley, for those of you guys who don't know. Kind of like Vanna White. All right. Um, and so last week, I used, this, I used this illustration, okay? The last week, I used this illustration, put Michael Jordan on the, on the, on the, on the screen. He's like one of my, my, my favorite basketball players, and he made this dunk in the, in, the, uh, in the dunk contest in the NBA, and I always wanted to do that. I was too short, too white. I had to lower the goal to be able to do it. And we talked about how prayer can be really hard, right? We can look at that and say, man, I can never do that. And you're right. You can never dunk the ball from 10 foot. I don't care who you are unless you're Michael Jordan, right? And sometimes we look at prayer like that. We think, man, there's no way I could ever do that. But the reality of it is, is that we have to look at it from a different perspective because with prayer, God has given us an opportunity to have a conversation with him that to be really honest is really easy. And, and if I wanted to, I could run from back here and I could jump 10 feet and I could dunk it on a three foot goal. But here's the reality, here's the reality. Here's where I want to change this illustration up just a little bit. What I've added to this is a person. What I've added to this is a person because we cannot do this alone. That's why I said the body has to be unified. God has called us to work together, to move forward together. We're not called to do this alone. And there are some times when I try and dunk the ball and I go like this and she moves it. She might hold it a little bit higher and causes me to have to jump a little bit higher. She might come flying like this and she might move it to the right. But what she's doing, she's challenging me. She's helping me to grow in my relationship with Jesus. And there are other people, if we were to be really honest, there are other people who have come along behind her too as well that are helping me to grow in that same area. And some of us, are doing the exact same things. That there's no way that I could make it through life without someone that God designed for me to walk this journey together. That we're not called to do it alone. And I said it last week and I'll say it this week, husbands, you're the spiritual leader. Don't let your wife walk alone. 
Wives, if you feel like you're walking alone because your husband is going a totally different direction, then continue to get on your knees and ask the Lord to break his heart. And eventually what I believe, he'll come to you and you're like, are you praying for me? Like, yeah, I'm praying for you. Because at some point they're going to be confronted with the truth. But it's not just Ashley. There are people, my staff, leadership team. There's people like Pastor George and Pastor Dan, some other people in this room, Pastor Dave. There are other people in this room who come alongside of me and who are standing behind me. And sometimes they're holding it where it's easy for me. And sometimes they're moving it. And they're helping challenge me in my own walk with Jesus. You see, here's the truth and the reality of it. Pastor Chris don't have it all figured out. I don't know if you know that, but I'm human, just like everybody else. And I'm pretty messed up, and I'm pretty jacked up, and we're not going to do this alone. But we're going to be unified in what we do. We don't always agree. We don't always like the same thing. But we're unified on what really matters. We're unified on what really matters. Thanks, babe. Love you. All right. So what Jesus did was he gave us a command in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He gave us a command, right? So we're to be unified as the body of Christ. We're to have people who come along behind us, who are walking with us, who are sharing, who are are challenging us, who are pushing us. The word says that we are to use his word to, to correct, to rebuke, to challenge, to encourage each other. Okay, but in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he goes on and this is just before Jesus has ascended to heaven. And he says this, he says, and you will be my witnesses. He says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That means essentially what he's saying to us as a church today is that you will be my witnesses in Leland, North Carolina, in New Hanover County, in Pender County, in Brunswick County, in wherever it is that God leads you, in GE, in uh, New Hanover Medical Center, uh, at uh, Leland Middle School, at Charter Day School, at wherever it is that you work, PT's Grill. That's a really good place to eat. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, and, and so it's, re- it's recognizing that God's put this responsibility on us to be witnesses for Him in the places that he leads us. And so my challenge to you this morning is that we don't, we can't just become consumers. We can't just be satisfied with coming on Sunday morning that we see it as a responsibility to share Jesus with our family and with our neighbors and with the world, whoever it is that God gives us that opportunity to. But the problem is too many times we're just kind of going to, we're getting up in the morning, we're going to work, we're doing our thing and we kind of, and then we're missing some of the opportunity that God may be putting right in in front of us. Where your, for where your treasure is, Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It means whatever is really valuable to you, and you guys know this, if Jesus is really important to you, you talk about him, you live for him, you read his word, you do all those things that those really matter. Every time I go to a funeral, I can always tell if a person really is sold out for Jesus because the people around them, they talk about him. They talk about Jesus. They don't talk about the person in the casket. 
They talk about Jesus and what Jesus was doing through this person. Whew, that gets me riled up. My question becomes, when was the last time that you shared Jesus, shared your faith with somebody? Hey, man, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, let me, let me do this for you. Hey, what about that? Hey, have you ever heard about Jesus? Hey, I, I do believe that inviting somebody to church can be a part of the process, okay? I don't want to lose sight of that. But don't just always expect to invite people because you want me to tell them about Jesus. Invite them. Having spiritual conversations because hopefully what I, ha- what, I, what I hope happens is that when you walk out of this place, you take that person to lunch and you buy their lunch and then you say, hey man, tell me what God did to you, in you, through you. Because here's what I know to be true. Oh man, we've been having conversations with people who've been new to the church and we're like, hey man, why are you coming? And we're like, well, that's one of the first churches we walked in that we felt the spirit of God. Okay, I'll take that. Not the preaching. I don't want them to say, well, the preaching's good. No, I want them to say, hey, the presence of God was there. It was undeniable. That's more important than how good Michael is or how good Ronnie is or how good Amy is or how good I may be. What's more important is that people show up and they know that the presence of God is here and the Spirit of God is doing something. We, hey, listen, listen. Don't clap just yet because you're taking on my time. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, this guy rolled in, name was Todd, sat back there for only a couple minutes. He had pulled in a couple minutes, worship's going on. That dude gets up, he walks down here, and he kneels down, and he starts crying. John comes up, starts praying with him. That dude gets back up after a while, goes back, sits down. I get up to preach, and that dude gets up and testifies. And he says, I was driving by this church, and something the Lord told me to turn around, came back, and he came back up here, and he rededicated his life to Christ. Okay, okay, listen, listen. Last week, last week, at the very end of the second service, this guy comes pulling in the parking lot. The majority of you guys are gone. The guy gets out of his car. He's a little agitated. We're not really sure what's going on. Our safety team kind of do their thing. Thank you, safety team, if you're in here. They kind of do their thing because they, they, the, one of them thought that they heard him say something about suicide. So they checked his car to make sure there's no weapons. They didn't see anything. The guy gets out of his car. He's obviously on something. Our prayer team leader, John, he goes out there. Our safety team's out there. And in a few minutes, I walk out there. These guys are huddled around. They're praying for him. They're praying for him. He rededicates his life to Christ. They're like, hey, man, you got to get some help. And so that was what I believe the Spirit of God is doing for people. You see, church is not just for us that are healthy. It's for the broken. It's for the lost. It's for the hurting. (laughs) Matthew chapter 10. Doggone it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 through 8 says this. Uh, These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Matthew chapter 10. It's not on the screen. Oh, yeah, it is. Awesome. But go to the lost sheep of Israel. And he said this. I love these three words. As you go. As you go, proclaim what? 
proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. Because God's given something to you, so it becomes a responsibility to us to give it back to him. Now, I don't know if you're going to heal the sick. I don't know if you're going to raise the dead. I don't know if you're going to cure a person with leprosy, but I know that God has the power to do it if he so chooses. If he so chooses. But I know one thing that we can do is we can give freely because he's freely given to us. But my question becomes, how valuable is what Jesus did on the cross to you? But are you too scared or afraid to say something about Jesus because you're afraid of what somebody might say. The sixth graders in this room probably thought, I just lost my mind. <laughs> Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says this. Did I finish? Yeah, I did finish that. Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not what? Ashamed. Paul said, Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the what? It is the power of God. And that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's not our power. It's his power. It's not what we do. We're just the vessels that God uses to reach people. And fortunately, sometimes he does it without us. And probably better off, sometimes it needs to be done without us because we get in the way. But I still believe that God wants to use us if we'll be obedient vessels for him. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 says this. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing in his kingdom. I give you this charge. This is not a suggestion. Right? Sharing your faith is not a suggestion. He didn't say, hey man, well, if if you get a chance... You know, if it's okay with you, you know, if you're, all the circumstances are right, like the moon's alive, you know, you're sitting in the right restaurant, you're eating the right food, your tummy feels okay, then share your faith. No. He said, I give you this charge. Preach the word and be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Wow. Sounds like today. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will turn aside to miss. And so it becomes our responsibility. So we have to care about, listen, we have to care about eternal things. We don't, we don't care about, the, I mean, let's see, how do I say this? Political things are somewhat important, but they're not that important. Okay? So we got the, and I don't want to just focus on the political things. Like there's so many, there's so many gamut of things, right, that run that we have to really kind of struggle, struggle through. And we have to do our homework with and all those kind of things. So I'm not trying to negate spiritual, uh, political things or spiritual things. I'm just trying to say that we have to make sure that we're focusing on things that matter to Jesus, genuinely care about people who are without Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. If today another hundred 200, 300 people were to show up at that front door and they wanted to come and sit down, what would you do? Well, then why didn't you do it a few weeks ago? 
would, would, it, would you be okay with that? Be like, man, that's too full in here. Do you, do you know that in, in Acts chapter 2, you know, Peter gets up and he's preaching this message and all of a sudden the Spirit falls on him and like 3,000 people come to Christ. Would you be okay sitting out in the lobby? Would you be okay saying, come in, oh, Pastor Chris, we're going to sit on the ground right here for the, for, for the next hour. We'll sit right here. Because see what happens if we're not like that, then we've become too comfortable. We've become too satisfied in our life. It's a comfy little chair. I know it's cold in here. Most of you wear a jacket. Get over it. I do it to keep you awake. Because I'm sweating like a pig. Because you should care about the things that Jesus cares about because eternity matters for just a moment. So I want to use a really quick illustration, okay? Um, all right, all right. Um, I need like um, five volunteers, five volunteers. Okay, come on, Anthony, right? That's perfect. Oh, yeah, next generation. Come on, Kathy. I need an old person. You can come up. You can come too. You're not old. I need an old person, like, like 70 or higher. Okay, come on, Steve. You can, hey, come on. That's okay. Come on. More people, the merrier. Come on, come on. Okay, so pick up the rope and take it down that way, and everybody hold on to the rope. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I love it when people are willing to be a part. I didn't call you old. You said, come on, Kathy. I need an old person. No, I, no. That was... Two statements, two totally different statements wrapped into one. All right. Did I call her old? Yes. Kathy, you're not old. How old? Oh, I better not ask that. Sorry. Because <clears throat> I was going to say, we're probably not far from age. All right. So this is eternity. But this part right here, everybody see this part right here? This represents your life here on earth. Right here, right, 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 right. But what do we most of the time focus on? We focus on this, right? Oh, we complain, complain, we complain, we, you know, I'm too young, I can't drive yet, you know. Mom and dad won't let me do anything. Blah, 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 you know. Oh, now you're in college, I can do anything I want. I can go anywhere I want. I got my license. I don't have to listen to my mom and dad. I don't have to do anything. I just do what I want to. Oh, now we got kids. Now we better grow up. <laughs> Our kids are acting like heathens trying to figure that. Oh, hey, hey, now I'm, uh, at reti- I've retired, and now I can just coast through the rest of my life till I, till I die. Not. Not. And we focus on this right here. So we have to, if we focus on eternal things, here's what's happened. This is why I use these people. If we focus in this part on eternal things, guess who gets impacted? People along the way. Now, I, I don't know if I've had an impact on most of these people, but they represent people that hopefully when I stand before, when I, when I cross over from death, from, no, I'm, I've already crossed over from death to life. When I cross over from a physical death into my, into my heavenly home, what I hope to see is I'm going to hope to see these people right here. And, and they, can represent, they can represent people from the world that we have impacted during this time in our life. 
But most of the time we focus on this right here. If you're, if you're a kid, I don't see many kids in here, but there, there might be a few. You have an opportunity to live for Jesus. If you're a teenager, you have an opportunity to live for Jesus, even while you're young. If you're a young adult, you have an opportunity to live for Jesus. Live for the things that matter for eternity, not the things that matter now. This is not a Burger King society hot now. This is a, hey, how can my life impact those around me? You are the light of the world. A city cannot be hidden. And we are called. And here's the reality of it. God's going to do what he's going to do, whether we're a part of it or not. Because the plans of God cannot be stopped. But the impact that we leave here can matter for eternity. Also, the decisions that we make here, okay? Because I don't want to assume everybody in here is a believer You have to realize that if you've not given your life to Christ, this is only a part of your life. There is still what, what is called eternal punishment if you have not given your life to Christ. That doesn't mean like, oh, I'm just going to die and it's going to be over. No, it says eternal, which means everlasting. It means it keeps going, that punishment keeps going. And so the choices and the decisions that you make here, they matter for there. And here's the, here's the other really important part. Michael, you guys come on out. Hurry up. <laughs> here's, here's the really important part is that if you're not careful, listen, you can come to church and you can sit in the chair and you can sing songs and you can raise your hand and you can do this and you can do that. You can serve. You can be in children's ministry. You can work out in the parking lot. You can work on the safety team. And still miss that part. Because what God cares about is he cares about his relationship with you. Don't just be a spectator. Live for what matters. Because the reality of it is, is that we most of the time think, well, I got another day, but that's not true. It may not be true. You may not have tomorrow. You may not have next week. You may not have a month, a year, 10 years from now. They do say that the average person is living to about the age of 87. But guess what? Jesus might come back tomorrow. So be careful that we don't buy into the lies of the culture and only live for this small part right here. Let's pray. You guys can be seated. Thanks. Center your life around things that matter for eternity. Care enough about the fact that hopefully you've surrounded, you have people in your life, a neighbor, a family member, a coworker that doesn't know Jesus. And you probably should start praying for them now, especially if you don't like them. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who hurt you.
And so right now, with your eyes closed, I want you to ask yourself the question, who is it that God wants me to speak to? I want you to get that person's name in your mind. I want you to pray right now for that person by name. Will you pray for that person by name? Maybe you're here this morning and the reason that you're here is because your friend invited you because they want you to know Jesus. And so maybe for you this morning, it's just about considering what God has done in sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for you that you might have the hope of eternal life because the decisions you make in that small portion of your life, they matter. And so maybe right now you just need to say, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. I want the things that matter to you. I want them to matter to me. I want the things of eternity that matter to you. I want them to matter to me. I want my life to be centered around what it is that you have called me to do. That when we all individually get to that place, then we're being the church that God has called us to be. Pray for that person right now. It might be your It might be your husband. It might be your wife. It might be your child. Right? Share Jesus with your family. Share Jesus with your neighbor. Share Jesus with the world or whoever you come in contact with. Ask God to give you that opportunity this week to say, Hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Not a suggestion. It's a command from God I give you this charge God I pray that in this moment that you would just wreck us I pray that we would come to this place of almost like reckless abandonment God that we're so willing to run after the things of God that we're willing to look foolish in doing them that we want to take the truth. We're so passionate about taking the truth into lives of people and to caring for people and loving people and speaking truth to people and speaking grace to people, speaking hope to people. We are the light of the world. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Will you stand? We're going to sing this last song. It's called A Place of Freedom. And what I believe is when Jesus sets us free, we are free indeed. Sometimes the things that hold us back are the things that we've held on to forever. And maybe what you've been holding on to is the one thing that's been keeping you from living out the very things that God's called you to. And maybe you need to just ask for freedom from those in this moment. And so I want to open the front. Maybe you want to come down front and pray for that very person that you just prayed for in this moment. You need to come. You need to surrender that to the Lord. You cannot change them, but God can. Let's pray and let's sing together.